And I thank you, God, that you're going to bring increase and favor and influence through our obedience today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. You know what? Uh, the five ways to give thing. Could you throw that up there real quick, Aaron? If you don't have a cash or check, uh, to we have been in a, a short series here that we're working on. Here, let me get that for you. <laughs> I don't know, but it was attacking one of my parishioners. I had to defend her right there. <laughs> we have been in a short series uh, in, the, in the book of Exodus, and uh, we, we've been calling it the Moses and the People of Promise. And it all started for me back this summer when I was on our sabbatical, and I had some extra time, and I felt like God kind of brought me back to the Old Testament and some of the, the key people, the men and women of God. And, and uh, so Moses kind of got in my spirit this summer, the guy Moses. And, you know, some people are more familiar with Moses and some aren't. If you're not familiar with the Bible, there's a story of a guy named Moses who God raised up to deliver the, the Hebrews, what we call the children of Israel or the people of Israel, who were in bondage in Egypt. They were in slavery. And God raises up this, this guy to go and be used of him to, to deliver his people, to bring them out of slavery and into the promised land that he had promised them. And so in this series, we talked the first couple of weeks about you know, the scenario and what was going on. And we talked last week about how God heard, he, he saw where they were at. In other words, when the people were in slavery, he saw where they were at, and he, it says he heard their cries. He heard their cries. Meaning, when we pray, God's not deaf. Right? Sometimes it may feel that way. At times we feel like maybe where's God and what's, you know, what's going on. But God's not deaf. He's also not blind. He sees right where you're at. And he's also not incapacitated in any way. In other words, when he wants to move, he can move, i.e., he'll, he'll whole families, you know, Jerry and all the things going on there. When he, when he moves, he, he liberates my son from depression and, <laughs> and helping us get his wallet back and his Superman cape. I mean, he was really bummed. And God came in and just totally did a miracle there. See, when God wants to move, he does. In the past, in our church and in, our, in this whole body that we have here at Epicenter, you know, we've seen miracle after miracle of financial provision. God has brought people to us, you know, uh, people at just the right time. When we needed a job done, you know, like I, even the, like the sound system, when we were first putting the sound system in, we had a, a, a young man who, who just God brought to us. And then it was perfect timing, and it was exactly what we needed, and it was exactly who was able to get this system going for us. We've seen it in all these different areas. And so God sees and he hears, and then he acts. And one of the things I want to talk about with you today is we're going to call it the call of Moses, the call of Moses. But here's what I want to, I really felt this on my heart so strongly this week, and that is this. We're going to look at Moses' example of his call but what we're really going to do is we're going to see ourselves in the story. Because I will, I will tell you this today, and I felt like I had a word from God for you um, as I was praying over this, that God wants each and every one of us to know that you are called to something. That you have a call on your life. 
Sometimes it's not, if we're not careful, we live in a society where we, we celebrate famous people and people that, are, that have a lot of influence and money or you know, popular or whatever. We tend to, like there are whole magazines about you know, actors and singers, like, you know, what is it, People Magazine and Us and all that stuff. It's a whole magazine celebrating other people's lives. You know what I'm saying? And I look at that and I think, how many people read those magazines? They're just they're consumed with all this information about movie star this and they got a divorce and they got this. And I'm like, okay, that's okay, I guess, for some people. But it kind of feeds into the whole thing of other people's lives are greater than my life. And so I'm going to live vicariously through this magazine of these other people, right? And I really felt like God wants you to know this day that you don't have to live anybody else's life. He has a call on your life. There's something special that you were created for. And I know the devil will immediately come into your mind right now and he will say some of these things we talked about earlier. The, I can't do this because of this. Or, you know, this isn't going to happen because, you know, I was raised this way or I'm divorced or, or you know, I was never in a loving home. All number of negative things. And what we're going to see through the call of Moses is a guy who's probably just as insecure as you and I are, Right? He's just like us in so many ways because oftentimes when God's call comes to our lives, we start backing up a little. We hesitate. We're like, oh, you know, I'm not this and I'm not this and I'm not this, right? And we're going to see Moses, and it's going to be awesome because I believe that God wants to show you today the call on your life that he has. And the excuses and the reasons why Moses tries to get away from it aren't good enough because it doesn't deter God at all. As we read through this story this morning, you're going to find that God is very persistent in helping Moses walk through his insecurities. Anybody glad for that today? That you have a God that is so in love with you, he's so passionately for you today, that he'll put up with some of your, (laughs) okay, forget you, I'll just talk about myself. He puts up with my own lame excuses. (laughs) He puts up with my own silly thought and reasonings that really don't make a lot of sense, and he walks me through it. All right? So the two things I want us to, if you're taking notes, I want you to just write these two words down. Revelation and relationship. Okay? Revelation and relationship. What I mean by that is this. As we go through this today, you're going to find that God reveals something to Moses, but it's really his relationship. Because we'll see this as, as we walk through it. God will talk, then Moses talks. Then God talks, then Moses talks. God, Moses, God, Moses. For like a chapter and a half, we see this dialogue, this relationship that we see happening with the God Almighty who really starts off his conversation in a bush in the wilderness that burns but doesn't burn up, (laughs) right? So here's the shepherd, Moses. He's walking along, and he sees this bush, and it's consuming flame, but it's not burning up. It just keeps burning. And Moses is not a dummy. He figures out, oh, This must be a God thing. (laughs) And so he goes through all that. We read some of that last week. And so Moses and God, they start going back and forth. Revelation, relationship. Revelation, relationship. And so, Lord, this morning as we we jump into this, as we begin to dig in and, uh, and, and look at your word and we see Moses, Father, I pray today that you would give us the same thing. Out of your relationship with each and every one of us, you would give us revelation. We begin to hear your voice and we begin to understand that each and every one of us has a call. 
And it's a perfect call for us. You know exactly where you want us to go. You, want, you know exactly the things that you want us to accomplish in this life. And they are legendary. As our name even says, they are epic. <laughs> that you have things that you have in store for us that nobody else can do. And you have called us. Now, Lord, walk us through some of those things and help us to see that out of our relationship with you, you're going to reveal things today. If that's your prayer, say amen with me today. Amen. And so in, uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 3, if you want to turn there, we'll start with verse uh, 10. Now, remind you, God and Moses are already having a conversation. We're going to jump in. And last week we read about Moses and the burning bush, and God says, listen, I've heard, I've seen the Israelites' slavery. I've seen their bondage. And he says, I've seen it. I've heard their cries, and now I'm ready to move, and I want to use you, okay? So in verse 10, it starts this. It says, therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, it's really important to understand. Some of you were here for the previous weeks, and so the context is a little easier for you, but let me just walk you through a a real brief thing. Moses was born into slavery as an Israelite in the land of Egypt. And right at the time of his birth, the Israelites have gotten so big in the land of Egypt that they're being oppressed by the Egyptians and they were forced into slavery. And they kept growing and getting bigger, multiplying as a, as a people, so much so that Pharaoh says, listen, I want, I'm going to kill every single Israelite boy. Every boy born to a Hebrew mother and father, I'm going to kill him. And he does. He goes through the land and starts killing all the baby boys. Well, uh, Moses' mother has this baby boy, doesn't want him to get killed. So in desperation, she puts him in a little basket and drops him in the Nile River. Yeah, the Nile River, one of the largest rivers in the world, crocodiles, the whole thing, right? But she says, listen, I'd rather give him a chance than just have soldiers come by and, and, and kill him with a sword. So she does that. She puts him in the river. Moses... You can read about this in Exodus chapters 1 through where we are now. He's in the river. Pharaoh's daughter finds him in the river. She pulls him out of the river. She says, what a cute baby. I'm going to keep him as my own. And so she does. She raises Moses in the, in the, in the, in the palace. He raises him as a king of Egypt, right? Maybe you've seen the movie, right? Some of you. And so Moses, and it's interesting because I always think of Moses in Egypt only through like a few years, you know, as a teenager or something like that. Do you realize that according to Scripture, Moses was 40 when he left Egypt for the first time. So he's 40 years old. He sees one of the Israelites being abused and beaten by an by a Egyptian slave, uh, slave driver, and he kills the Egyptian to save his own kind. Out of that murder, he flees to the wilderness. And so for the next 40 years, Moses is a shepherd in the wilderness. He gets a family. He's a part of a, another, another a clan, if you will. And he's a shepherd. He's, he's in the wilderness for 40 years. At the end of that 40 years is where we pick up the story with the burning bush. So he's 80 years old, and God comes to him and says, Listen, I'm going to use you to do amazing things. Anybody here 80? That's true. There's two 80-year-olds right back there. <laughs> well, a 79-year-old, actually. Don't, don't rush the gun there, lady. Okay. So, so 80 years old, God says, all right, we're just getting started. Woo! How many of you glad God's timetable and our timetable aren't the same, right? It's awesome. So 80 years old, he starts calling him. He says, listen, verse 10, 
I'm going to take you, Mr. 80-year-old man, and I'm going to send you back to Egypt, the place where you murdered that guy, the place where you lived the first 40 years of your life and ran away from. Now, I'm going to even use you to set my people free. (laughs) Moses says, yeah, God, I'll do it. No, he doesn't say that. Here's the thing. God knows what he's doing. Can you just say that with me? God knows what he's doing. And if he knows what he's doing, how many of you know he has a plan? He's got a plan. So often we start thinking that God doesn't know what he's doing, that he's not in charge. And I want to just encourage you today, God knows what he's doing. He's got a plan, right? The timing and what he thinks and all that, we, you know, some of that stuff we don't understand. But to understand at a basic level, God loves me. He's got a plan for me. And he knows what he's doing, right? So verse 11, so God speaks first. Then Moses says in verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? You know, the first thing that the devil will always try to do in you when God starts to tell you who you are and how awesome you are and how great you are, he'll start bringing those lies, right? We talked about it even already this morning. Oh, you're not this. Oh, you don't have, you're not as talented as John over here, right? So you couldn't possibly be used in singing or something like that, right? Or you, you, you're not possibly as talented with your hands as Mike, so we couldn't use you in, in that area over here. Now, guess what? The devil, according to the Bible, like I'm not making this stuff up, the devil, according to Scripture, is a liar, <laughs> okay? He's a liar. In fact, he's so much a liar that he can't tell the truth. So here's a word of, here's a word of wisdom. This might help you because it's helped me for years. Uh, uh, Dave Nichols, actually, some of you know Dave Nichols. He says this, whenever you hear a voice in your head, it's one of three things, right? It's one of three things. It's either God speaking to you, it's either the enemy of your soul, the devil, or one of his demons speaking to you, or it's your flesh. How many of you have flesh? And when I say flesh, do you know what I'm talking about? Like just our own kind of selfishness or our own laziness and those kind of things, right? And, you know, flesh, generally speaking, uh, <laughs> uh, tends to go for the path of least resistance, right? We tend to kind of tend to laze it out or, or blame other people and those kind of things, right? So it's either God, the devil, or your flesh, right? So our job is to pray, say, Lord, give me revelation to know, does this sound like you? In other words, if you start to get a thought in your head, even in this message and talking about God's call on our lives and God's plan for us, immediately, I can guarantee you, a good portion of people in this room or in the sound of my voice on the podcast are immediately starting to think of all the ways they're disqualified from God using them. All the things they've done wrong, all the mistakes they've made, all of the situations of their past or their insecurities and all these things. I don't know about everyone here, but I will say this. If we're going to believe something, let's believe the Word of God. Because the Word of God says, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world, right? One of the things you'll notice in our worship over the last few weeks, we're, we're really focusing in our songs on who God is. 
Right? We sang about it today. We'll get to this in a second. The great I am, and he's, he's awesome in power and, and his, his might and his love and all these things. He's beautiful, right? He's wonderful. He's powerful. Why? Because not only has God all these awesome things, but if we have accepted Christ into our lives, those things are now in me. Because the Bible says Christ in me. So that means I have resurrection power in me. I have love overwhelming to, to cover the whole earth in me, right? I have power. I have wisdom. I have revelation. What? In me. Jesus was a prophet. That means I get to be prophetic, right? Jesus was, uh, was anointed from the Father to do great and mighty things and miracles and heal the sick and raise the dead. Guess what? Where is that? In me. So I don't get to live defeated. I don't get to live with confusion and fear and doubt. Guess what? If that's who God is and he's in me, guess what? I'm powerful. I'm amazing. I'm, I'm called. I have a purpose in life. I'm not just wandering through life hoping to get to be 80, 90, 100 years old and then drift off into the sunset. No. Guess what? God has a perfect plan for you and for me. And I'm telling you, if we could just get it in our head that whatever this awesome God is, if, if I really believe it, right, then, take that back. Most Christians don't really believe what they say. <laughs> I could get an amen there if you wanted, but you want me to explain this? <laughs> right? Most Christians don't really believe what we say we believe because if we did, we would do awesome things. Right? Because here's the thing. If he really is the risen Savior, if he really did conquer hell, death, and the grave, if he really did great, say this, greater things than these will you do in my name after I'm gone. What was he doing? If you read through the, right, he raised the dead, he healed the sick, he was uh, lepers, blind eyes, you know, he was speaking truth, right, walking on water, making bread and fish multiply. I'm telling you, folks, if we would simply believe what the Bible says, then we would truly be Christians. <laughs> I don't want to go any farther on that one than right there, but, but that idea that this, if we would just take his words and put them into us and say, Lord, I believe you. But here's the problem. We don't really believe who we are in in Christ. I'd say that generically speaking, but I, how many of you think we could use a greater revelation of who God is inside of us, right? I look at Moses, and it's interesting. Here's God talking to him, talking to him, right? Literally talking to him out of a flaming bush, and he says, and the bush, God's presence says to him, Listen, I want to use you to go down to Egypt and we're going to bust Pharaoh and we're going to bring everybody out. Moses says, uh, I'm, I'm nobody. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? I have a video I want to show you. Aaron, can you go set this up for me? I want to little, I'm going to show you a little video here that... Uh, uh, that walks us through not only Moses, but a whole bunch of other uh, characters in the Bible, all right? It's called March of the Unqualified. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young, 
Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. And so did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line. <laughs> That's just good, right? Man, if you're waiting to be perfect before God can use you, just, you know, look at that and say, Lord, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be who you made me to be, right? And here's the thing. Moses' first thought is, who am I, right? I'm not good enough. I've murdered somebody. I've been hiding out in the wilderness for 40 years. And God says to him in verse 12, he says, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Now, mind you, the, the flaming bush is still there. The presence of God is still there. And you see God and Moses in this relationship, right? They're starting to talk back and forth. And you find God being patient with, with Moses as he starts to walk through this thing. And he says, listen, it's not really about you, Moses. He says what? I'll be with you. I'm in you. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. You don't have to worry about all the things you're starting to worry about. Just because you may not feel like you're that qualified, I think you are qualified. And I, I hear the voice of God saying it to us today, to each and every one of us. You are qualified because I'm calling you. Because I'm calling you. And I will give you what you need. And I'm going to give you signs along the way, like he says to Moses here, with signs following, right? Verse 13, Moses comes back. <laughs> Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Now, I'm kind of getting the feeling that Moses is kind of a glass, is half empty kind of guy, right? Like he's not looking at the positives. He's kind of looking at the negatives here a little bit. And a couple of things jump out at me here. He says, Listen, I'm going to do this thing. You know, hypothetically, maybe he's thinking at this point. But it says this, that they may say to me. How many of you are guilty of creating negative future scenarios? Anybody, anybody guilty of this? <laughs> right? Now, I see some men with their hands up raised, so I'm really glad to see that because my experience has been a lot of times women have a little more, like they, they worry about things that they're not supposed to be worrying about. Of course, not my wife. She would never do that. But we, uh, you know, I, there's this temptation in each of us to say, well, what if this bill happens or what if this thing happens down the road or what if we don't get this and what, you know, and we, and we are really good at creating these negative scenarios. Well, guess what? Moses just like us. He says, I may go down there, and they may say this to me, right? Like he's creating in his mind a, a future negative scenario. And again, this is how much God loves us. He's patient with Moses, right? We see him, them going back and forth. <laughs> verse 14. Well, verse 13, Moses says, God, what do I, what do I say to them when they ask me, who, who, what's your name? And here's one of the most important verses in all the Bible right here. Verse 14, God says to Moses, 
I am who I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This I am is such a powerful word. It's actually the name for God that the, that the, that the Hebrews, the Jewish people, even to this day, it, it's a representation of the letters. They, don't e- they can't even say the word because it's so holy and so mighty and so powerful. They actually, Yahweh is the letters, y, Y-H-W, I forget all of them. Yahweh, the, the, the words of Yahweh are actually just letters of the different phrase of I am who I am because it's so holy and so powerful. And God is really trying to tell Moses, listen, I am, not I was, not I will be, or I might be, or maybe kind of, sort of. No, I am. And even as we sang this morning, the great I am. He is all-powerful over every situation. He knows everything about you and me and him and the the future and the past. He's all-inclusive. There's nothing about him that is uh, weak or challenged or insecure in any way. And God is trying to take his confidence and pour it into Moses. You can see this, right? Because Moses asks, who am I? And God comes back and says, I am who I am. <laughs> like he flips Moses's who am I to I am, I am him, <laughs> right? And God wants us to do the same thing. When we ask, who am I? And I can't do this. And oh, you know, I can't work with babies or I can't be street witnessing or I can't pray for someone. God wants you to know that the great I am is inside of you. And uh, we had a gentleman, I won't mention him by name. Some of you know who I'm talking about right now. But we had a gentleman this week who took a step and went and prayed for someone who looked like they were having some trouble and just sitting out inside of a store and walked up and said, hey, can I pray for you? And in our mind, our expectations are everybody's going to want to get prayed for. Everybody's going to want to receive what we have to say. I'm coming from God. Oh, you know. And the guy said, get out of my face. I don't want to be prayed for. And I think they swore at him, right? <laughs> and so it was real negative. So the guy says, hey, I'll pray for you. And the person that they wanted to be prayed for rejected him completely. But I thought, you know what? How awesome and powerful it is when we walk in God. Like in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see Moses obey God and go to the Egyptians. And he goes to the Israelites and he'll tell them about, you know, being set free and all that. It's awesome. Until Pharaoh says, nope, I'm not letting him go. And in fact, he actually makes their, their lives worse. See, I will tell you this, when we get I am inside of us, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. And I say that in this way. God is more concerned with you and your relationship with him and you being obedient to what he tells you to do than he is about whether it turns out perfectly the way you think it should or not. He's more concerned about your obedience and your relationship with him than he is about anything. Now, mind you, he's going to use you to do amazing things. Like God used Moses and Aaron and some of them to to lead them out of Egypt and the ten plagues and all those things we're going to look at in the next few weeks. God does use them, but guess what? It doesn't happen first. First, Moses goes and he gets rejected by Pharaoh. Then he gets rejected by the Israelites, you know, and we're going to see Moses going, hey, God, wait a minute, you know, like this is, uh, this is not working out like I wanted to. And God just, re- well, he refreshes his memory and says, listen, I'm with you. The great I am is here with you. And whether you have success or failure in whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter. 
because you're being obedient, and I'm going to walk you right through this thing. Amen? The great I am. God says, listen, I am with you, and you don't have to worry about all that other stuff, right? So he goes on, verse 15, God furthermore said to Moses, thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. You know, I read that, and I thought, I'm not Jewish, and I'm not all that. But I do remember the promise to Abraham, who God made the initial covenant, and he said this, all nations on earth will be blessed through this covenant, right? So we get to look at this verse and say, hey, listen, guess what? I'm all part of the all nations. I'm part of the whole earth being blessed. The great I am for Moses is the same great I am for the Israelites. He's the same great I am for you and me. The Bible says very strictly, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So the same promises for him are for us. Now, he, he goes on further here, and I'll let you read some of this yourself. But in verse 16 and 17, he gives Moses the command to go to the, Egypt, go to the Israelites and to tell them what is going on, Right? that he's indeed concerned for them, and that he's going to bring them up to the land of promise. Verse 18. Well, let me just throw this in first. When God uses you, I'm not saying if, I'm saying when, because there's a call on us, right? There are things he's going to give us to do. One of the things I like, well, Charlotte is, is getting pretty good at this, and some of the others are getting pretty good at this. Like, you wake up in the morning, and you don't say, here's what I'm going to do today. You say, hey, God, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part of it? Right? There's a big difference. I would encourage you to say, listen, Lord, the great I am is inside of me, all-powerful creator of heaven and earth. You're inside of me, and now let's go do whatever you're doing. Let me talk to the people you want me to talk to. Let me, let me, let me uh, touch people the way you want me to touch you, right? And it's interesting because sometimes it involves speaking words over people into situations that are horrible. Okay, so actually I want to read verse 16 and 17. Moses is told by God in verse 16, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what is being done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. Can you say this with me? I will bring you up out. I will do this. Do you see what Moses is doing there with God? God is giving him the word and he's saying, Moses, I want you to prophesy over the people. Now, this is the hard thing for me. God knows they're there and that they've been in bondage for a long time in slavery, and it is horrible. One of the words used to describe them there is vile. Like the way the Egyptians were treating the, the Israelites is vile. It's reprehensible. You can just get to imagine they're, they're whipping them and they're slaves, and, you know, and they're just beat down. And, and I thought about the people in our world today. How often are people in these really hard situations? How many of you think people around us need a word from God that says, listen, you know what? You're not going to be in bondage anymore. God has sent me to help you come out of that. 
God has a word for you today, and it's this, I'm going to set you free. God wants to use us to say to people, listen, there are some things that are going on in your life that aren't going to be going on anymore. I'm here to set you free. And I looked at that and I thought, these people that have been in bondage for so long needed a prophetic word, didn't they? They needed God to come down and say, listen, I hear your cry and I'm going to do something about it. And I thought, how many people in our world today are in bondage to habits, addictions, sickness, whatever? And they need the people of God with the great I am to come and say, listen, I got a different word for you. There's a different destination for you. And it doesn't mean staying here in Egypt in bondage. It, it, it involves going to the promised land and to help people get from Egypt to Canaan land. Amen? So going down to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Exodus 4, verse 1, Moses and, and God are still going back. Moses says in Exodus 4, 1, and here it is again. What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Here it is again, right? Possible negative future scenario. <laughs> what if they don't believe me? What if the, you know, and again, I love that God is patient with him. He's still hanging in there with Moses because why? God, the Bible says God knows who we are, Right? God knows you and I. He knows our insecurities. He knows exactly. And he wants to walk us through from our calling to our convictions to whatever the future may hold for us, right? I remember when I was, uh, when I was younger, I was in Bible college. And my first went to Bible college out of high school in Minneapolis. I just wanted to go and have fun. Did anybody ever go to college just to have fun? Anybody? You guys do this? I just went to college because I thought, okay, college, let's go my first year. So my freshman year was just fun, fun, fun till the daddy takes the T-bird away. I mean, it was one of those, or the Camaro in this case. <laughs> yeah. It was just fun. I, I, you know, did all the right things. I went to classes and did all that stuff. But I just had a lot of friends and a lot of uh, just goofing around. And I maintained uh, that stellar B average, you know, right through the whole thing. <laughs> I didn't really apply myself that much. But I remember that through that course of that year, God began to speak to me about possibly going into the ministry and becoming a, a pastor or a leader of some kind. And at the time, I really wasn't, I was kind of like Moses. I was, on the, I was out in the wilderness just kind of doing my own thing. And God began to speak to me about a call on my life. And so I began to say yes to it. But how many of you know that that? Sometimes our yeses, much like Moses, come with a lot of questions. What would this look like, God? I don't understand. Where do you want me to go? And uh, God began to speak to me about being a youth pastor, right? And I thought, that's, that's cool. I can do that. But I remember getting to my sophomore year, and between my freshman and my sophomore year, almost all of my friends dropped out of school. And I remember going to class my first day of my sophomore year. I went to class, and it was horrible. I'm like, all my friends are gone. This isn't fun. This is, you know, this is, what, what, what am I doing here kind of thing. And I remember that uh, actually my, my dad was the one that helped me walk through this a little bit. He basically said this, what is God calling you to? Like, what do you feel God saying to you? And I remember thinking, well, I've had this general sense of being a youth pastor, going into youth ministry. And so I had talked about quitting college and maybe going to a different college and all of the things. And my dad said this. He goes, what is the last thing God told you to do? 
And I remember saying, well, I, to do this. <laughs> he says, well, then why don't you just stay with that until he tells you something else? And I thought, that's pretty smart. And that was a lot of years ago. He had wisdom when he was much younger than he is right now. And <laughs> although he's still just as good looking. But I remember thinking that that makes a lot of sense because this. God is so patient with us and our calling. When we have fear, when we have doubts, when we don't understand. God says, listen, just keep coming towards me. I'm the great I am. I'm going to go with you. And we'll say, yeah, God, but what about this? God says, just keep coming. I'm going, to t- I'm going to show you things you've never seen before. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, too. I never thought about this until right this second. And that is this thought. God never told Abraham or Moses he was going to do ten plagues. God never told Abraham, hey, listen, if he doesn't listen to you, I'm going to do these horrible things, ten of them, and all this stuff. He didn't give him the whole plan. What did he tell him to do? One step at a time. So verse 4 here, he says this. What if they do not believe me or listen to what I say? The Lord has not appeared to you. God says, all right. Verse 2. What is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. (laughs) I love the Bible, because these next words are exactly me, right? He throws it on the ground, it becomes a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Like, like if I had a staff and I threw that thing on the ground, yeah, baby, I'm out of here. Like, you know, because I hate snakes, man. But isn't that interesting? A couple things here. God's calling Moses to something. Moses is having trouble with the call, right? But in every point, he, he asks God. They're having a relationship back and forth. And God says to him, what do you hold in your hand? <laughs> you know how important that is? God wants to take right where you are and where I am and use the things he's already given us to then be turned and used for his glory in the future. I mean, a staff. Do you know what a staff is? It sounds important, but you know what it is? It's a stick. It's a big stick, right? Now, Moses had used it to guard the sheep and do, kill snakes and do all kinds of stuff. But God takes the thing, the ordinary thing of Moses' life and turns it around. Says, listen, that ordinary thing you think is nothing, I'm going to make it supernatural. It's going to turn into a snake. I believe this morning there are some of you here that God is saying to you, you want to say to God, well, I'm nothing. I I am not an important thing. I, I can't sing. I can't do this. I can't do that. And God is asking you, what do you hold in your hand? Because I made you. In your mother's womb, before you were ever even hardly a thought, I made you. I formed you, the Bible says. What do you hold in your hand? So that's the question. What do you hold in your hand? What is God saying to you today that he would like to use? Take the ordinary and turn it into extraordinary. Take the natural and turn it into supernatural. God will always challenge us. Verse 4, but Moses said, but the Lord said to Moses, hey, you big chicken, come on back over here where the, <laughs> where the snake is. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by the tail, the snake. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand immediately again. <laughs> you know what I love about that? That even in our fears, we can trust God and obey, right? 
and grabbed that thing. And the thing became a staff again. And that staff actually became very important in Moses' life, as we'll see through the book of Exodus. He, uh, he does miracles through it. There are things that God uses supernaturally on and on through his whole life, this ordinary thing. Verse 5 He says, it became a staff in his hand again, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, has appeared to you. Verse 6, the Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. Put it inside your, your, your cloak there. So he put his hand onto his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And then he said, now put your hand back into your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and when he took it out of his, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And he says in verse 8, if they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they will not believe even those two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, and the water from the Nile will will become blood on the dry ground. In other words, God is telling Moses, he says, listen, when I said I'm going to be with you, when the great I am was going to be with you, that doesn't mean a bunch of words. <laughs> it doesn't mean a bunch of, you know, small groups and, uh, you know, <laughs> coaching and different things, right? Like those are all good things. But, but God says, listen, primarily I'm going to do a supernatural thing through you. I'm going to take the ordinary thing and make it extraordinary. And I love the lepr- leprosy hand thing because it says, even over sickness and disease, I'm all-powerful. I'm all-powerful over that. That's nothing to me. I can make it appear and disappear just like that. And I'm going to use, but I want to use you. I want to use you. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we stand this morning as we close? I believe that God would have us this morning learn from Moses. If you take this down a little bit farther, it kind of goes back and forth, Moses and God going back and forth. Until Moses finally gets to the end and he just says, God, I just really don't want to do it. (laughs) I'm really afraid. I really, you know, like his insecurities were getting the best of him. And even then God says, listen, I'll even send your brother Aaron to help you. You know? See, God is more interested in you and the, the call on your life. Than, than any of your excuses or any reasons or any thoughts of failure. You know what I love more than anything is when, when, when people will obey God even in the midst of the same problems in their own life. In other words, I've, I, I, I've actually done this and I know people even in this room that will pray for other people to be healed even when they're not healed. You know? You know what I love about that? Is because you're not focusing on your talents and abilities and any of those things. You're focusing on the great I am. The great I am is the one who's going to heal you, not me. And I don't understand maybe why I'm not healed, but I'm still going to declare it over you. This story of this gentleman in our midst even today said, listen, I'm struggling with my own insecurities and, 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 and being down. But I see someone else who's down. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and be obedient. I will tell you that is so powerful. Even at the very end here, Moses is going, God, please find someone else. I, I'm just, the, the task is too big for me. And God says, no, 
It's not. Because I am is with you. I want you to just close your eyes this morning as we, as we wrap this up. And I want you just to uh, let's take your hand and put it on your heart. You see, Lord, today we feel like Moses sometimes. And that call that you have on our life and the things you want to do, Lord, there's certain insecurities that we've all been birthed with or had thrust upon us. There's all things that we have trouble understanding why you would want to use us, but that's the amazing part, God, is that you want to use us. Lord, I thank you for every, every hair of our heads, every every part of our bodies, every, every interaction that's ever happened to us. God, it is all on your radar. You, you know it all. You've seen it all, and you hear it all. And you still are calling us to great things. Revelation and relationship, God. And so, Lord, this morning, as we put our hand on our heart, we just say, Lord, we would that you would use me, that you would use me, God, that I would say yes to you, even in the midst of my insecurities and all of these situations around us, God, that are perplexing and we don't understand. Lord, we would say, Lord, the great I am, you are with me. And I say yes to your call. In verse 18, as we close this morning, Moses and God have had this interaction and back and forth relationship and revelation. And it gets down to the end of it, and it reads very clearly, Moses is still not really gung-ho about his assignment. <laughs> He's still having questions and fears and doubts. But he gets to verse 18, and this is what it says. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they're still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. In other words, the effects of your murder, all those men are dead. Verse 20, so Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. You know what I love about that? Is that Moses, even in his fear and anxiety and potential negative scenarios and all of those things, he still says, yes, God. He gets on his donkey, he goes and gets his family, and he says, Lord, I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to go to Egypt. I'm going to do this thing. And I love that last line. He takes his staff in his hand, and he says, this ordinary thing that you're going to turn into extraordinary, this natural, normal thing, you're going to turn into supernatural, and I'm going to go with you. And it's almost a declaration of saying, God, I'm going to obey, and I'm going to trust you. And the same miracle you did with this stick, you're going to do again and again. And so, Lord, this morning, as we are those people that want to be. We want to fulfill the destiny that you call us to. Lord, I thank you today that you're going to call us and we're going to obey. We're going to say yes to going to the places that cause us fear or even if we don't understand, we, we say yes. We say yes. 
We say yes in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, if you need prayer for something this morning, we encourage you to come. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. And uh, we may not, uh, <laughs> we don't have all the answers, but we know the great I am. Amen. So if you need prayer for something or if you need healing in some area or you want some uh, direction or blessing on your life, we encourage you to do that. Come on up. Otherwise, be blessed and go in Jesus' name.